Hey, welcome to the Juice Bar Experts podcast, where we are going to give you tips, tools, strategies for launching a new juice bar or scaling and increasing the profitability and efficiency in your existing juice bar. I'm your host, Andrew McFarlane. The last 10 years, I've been in the juice bar business, running my own juice bars, as well as helping hundreds of entrepreneurs all around the world launch successful juice businesses. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to another episode. Today is a very special episode because I'm going to be talking about my journey starting my juice truck business. A lot of you guys may or may not know, but when getting into this industry before I opened my first storefront, I started with a juice truck. So I'm going to talk to you guys about how that all unfolded and I'm going to talk about three major mistakes that I made and also by the end of this episode... I'm going to share something with you that myself and my team have been working on for the last number of months. So if you guys are thinking about getting into the juice truck business, what we've created is going to save you guys tons of time, tons of energy, tons of money and stress. Um, And so you're definitely going to want to stick around to the end of this episode to find out more about that. So to start, I'll share a little bit about my journey getting into the juice truck business before I opened my first storefront, and I'll also talk about that transition as well. Now, this episode could easily be probably two hours long if I really wanted it to be, Um, but I'm going to give you guys some abridged insight into my journey, and maybe maybe someday I'll do a longer version of of, you know my entire journey in the juice industry. But to start. You know, initially when I got into this business, I was always really wanting to have a storefront. And so I actually started raising money for a storefront concept. And I did have some investors who had verbally committed to me that they were going to you know, move forward with investing in my business. I had some money set aside, but I didn't want to invest all the money that I had um, in st- starting a storefront. And so um, I talked to some people, they were interested and you know, ultimately, as that process was progressing, and I was looking at locations, and there was a location I was thinking about signing a lease on, uh, there's just something that hit me where I just realized the energy between me and the investors, it wasn't it wasn't bad, um, but it just wasn't what I wanted it to be. I just felt like they really didn't trust me enough to uh, allow me to run the business in a way that I needed to, to run it because I, I felt like I needed to feel confident in the decisions I was making. I didn't want to have to check in with other people. I didn't want to have to have phone calls with people who were maybe doubting what I did. And it just the energy wasn't feeling right. Now, you know, in saying all that, I, I want to also preface all of this that I am still a fan uh, in people raising money for their business if they need to. Maybe you're in a situation where you need to raise money for your juice truck business, and it's not a storefront, um, but you might need to, you know, have people put in thirty to fifty thousand dollars worth of money for you to launch your juice truck business. Then go ahead and do that. So I don't want just because you guys to think just because I went through this route that I believe that raising money from investors is bad. I'm actually a big fan of it. If you have to leverage other people's capital, that's a great thing um, because it it just gives you a lot of advantages in terms of time and risk and all of these things. So. Um, I'm a fan of that. But that being the case, I did have some money set aside and I thought, you know what, if I'm not going to start a storefront right now, let me start with a truck. And I had a 
business partner that I just built a relationship with through the community that I was in. He used to make a lot of YouTube videos and I thought, you know, he might be someone that can help me run the truck and also do a lot of marketing for the business because he has a bit of an audience. And so we partnered up and we started looking around, you know, to find a place that we could acquire a truck. And we weren't sure we were going to buy a truck. We had no idea what they cost, you know, come to find out that buying a food truck is very expensive. It's kind of like almost buying a house in some environments. And so that, you know, we realized that was no longer on the table unless we wanted to buy a used food truck, which we just knew was going to come with a lot of problems. And so we found uh, a few other companies that actually leased food trucks. And um, so that's what we did. We found a company and we got into an agreement with them. And I believe our lease for the food truck was something like... $1,500 or $2,000 a month, something like this. And then we had them modify the truck slightly so that we could have it for our juice operations because the truck previously was, you know, some sort of fast food truck. There was a grill in there and there was, you know, a deep fryer and all these things that we just weren't going to use and and was in some ways, ironically, so far, you know, from what we were trying to serve people. Um, But that in itself was quite a bit of a process because our truck needed to get approved from the health department and we had some issues with the water tank not being large enough in the truck that they were trying to lease us and we I think already had that truck wrapped and so they had to give us a temporary truck that looked nothing like the truck that we had that we had to like put some banners on and outfit and it just really looked terrible to be honest Um, so that's what we ended up hitting the road with and in the very beginning we figured, you know what, we should go towards the beach because people who are in, uh, I'm from Southern California, and people who go to Venice Beach tend to be quite health conscious. We knew there was a number of health cafes opening up in this area, and so we we made our, our way down to the beach on a daily basis for the first uh, week and a half, two weeks. And it was really, you know, in the first days of launching the truck business, it was really exciting. You know, we got up at 4 a.m., got to the truck, prepped some things, and found a parking spot. Um, and I don't even know if the parking spot we were in was actually legal, to be honest, because we were we were in, like, um, you know, they sometimes they have, like, these turn grids, and after um, a bunch of cars were parked, we were kind of in the checkered lines, so it wasn't an official parking spot, but we parked there, and we didn't get a ticket. Um, but there was, because we also knew that there was another food truck that also parked there, and we thought they served Mexican food, we're serving something different, juices and smoothies, but we'll still have kind of their customers that are coming around. That was sort of an ordeal in itself because they were quite mad and that we were coming to park near them. And so that was the first issue. The second thing that came up was um, we just weren't getting a lot of customers. Uh, and that led us to a place where we were having tons of spoilage. It started costing us a lot of money. Um, I remember actually, I don't know if it was the first sale that we got, but our initial menu was just laughably enormous, right? We were serving quinoa bowls and kale salads and juices and desserts and just everything that you could think of, right? This is like a quintessential first-time food service entrepreneur mistake is you're just, your menu is going to be too big. And so we, we, made, we made all the mistakes that someone could make in the book. And so I remember, though, that after somebody ordered a quinoa bowl, um, I had zero experience in food service, right? And my business partner, I think he had worked at Starbucks for a couple of years, so he knew a little bit more than me. But I remember when we were making this quinoa bowl, I remember when we were making this quinoa bowl, 
it just taking forever. And I, I remember this young guy who would order the bowl, you know, we gave him some desserts to kind of like hold them over, things that were prepped ahead of time. And it just, it just hit me. I was like, we don't know what we're doing, right? Like all, I just made so many assumptions, but I have no experience in this. And it, this reality of, of what it's going to take to do this well is starting to, to, it's starting to come, you know, I'm starting to realize it. And so, you know, first mistake we made, um, I would say is not understanding the production implications of the products that we were meant to develop and not really having a, a streamlined process developed for everything. We never really experimented with making the food before. I mean, other than like when we were actually making the recipes, we're like, oh, this is a great recipe, but we didn't really have spend any time practicing and making things for other people in a fast manner on the truck because it's one thing when you make things in your kitchen but it's another thing when you make something in another environment and it's more condensed things are stored differently there's just a lot of you know other things to take into account when you want to make an order quickly and so that was mistake number one mistake number two was really just being in the wrong location right we made the assumption which in some ways was correct that people by the beach are very very health conscious but we couldn't find a parking spot by the beach that was going to be good enough for us to make enough money, right? And oftentimes when it comes to location, the difference between you being on one block versus around the corner, you know, it's you could double your sales or it could be the difference between you making zero money dollars and making $10,000 a day or whatever it is, right? It's just a big, it's a big disparity where you're parked. And so we were just not in the right location. And I remember that as every day passed because we were, burning money. I was, I was losing money every single day. And, you know, while it is natural for you to not make money day one, you know, most businesses don't. And not to say that you can't, because we do have a lot of clients that we work with that do make money from their first day, but you shouldn't expect to be profitable day one. But you have to also have some good um, inclination that you are moving in that direction. And we weren't having that, right? It was just like our sales were terrible every single day for about a two two week period and I was getting to the place where I was thinking man I might have to shut this business down because I can't afford to keep hemorrhaging money every single day and so that was what was happening and the good news is I actually started to realize you know what I had and this was really a profound insight I thought you know Whole Foods sells juice to their customers. And obviously, Whole Foods has a lot of customers coming in and out of their doors every day. They're a big grocery store. I thought, there's another company in LA, which actually, I think they might be in other states as well. It's called Trader Joe's. They're a grocery store. They serve similar clients to Whole Foods in terms of the customer um, sort of value matrix, but their customers tend to want to save a bit more money because I was also a shopper of there and Whole Foods, and so I kind of knew the mentality of people who shop there. But I also knew that Trader Joe's didn't have a juice bar. And there was one in particular that was on Vine Street between Hollywood and, and Sunset Boulevard. And it was like in the thick of Hollywood, so there was tons of foot traffic, and then there were customers that were coming out of this grocery store. And so I said, you know what, we need to move the truck, right? We're just in the wrong spot. And so that's what we did. We moved in front of Trader Joe's. And then the floodgates opened, right? It was like night and day with our business. Um, we started selling out of all of our products. Sometimes, you know, we couldn't make more products until after two o'clock, which, which was just after the lunch rush. We were selling about, you know, to a hundred people a day um, and things started to go really, really well. 
That being the case, we still had to, which you know, leads me to my third mistake. We still had, our menu was still too large, so we had to cut things down. So just to kind of outline, mistake number one was we really didn't have a production process down. Two, we parked in the wrong location, right? I think we just assumed, like many business owners tend to do, that because you're really excited about your product that everybody else is going to be, you know, you think you have the best business in the world, um, which, you know, you should feel that way because that's what's going to inspire you to develop the business. But that being the case, um, we didn't really understand how important it was to be in the right location so that it was convenient for people. And so from there, our third mistake was really just having a menu that was way too large, which we had to rectify. So we thankfully got to the point where we were making decent money. I think we were selling somewhere between $800 and $1,000 a day on average. Maybe some days we hit $1,100, maybe $1,200 on very, very rare days. But I think we were averaging about $30,000 a month in gross sales. And um, at that location in particular, it was, it was funny because you know, we, it was in the middle of Hollywood. So we had to show up really, really early. You know, we had to get there at 6 a.m. in order to find a parking spot because we've got this 20-foot vehicle um, that actually takes up two parking spots. So we're paying two meters and we're getting parking tickets almost every day because, you know, we were legally not supposed to be parked there for more than an hour. And we just really kind of chalked it up to our cost of doing business. And that was just another rent expense, which was another, you know, 600 to, I don't know, $800 a month. And it came to the point where we, we really outgrew the, that sort of, mode of operating because the demand was so high that we were selling out of things. And I started to look at my overhead expenses and going, okay, well, you know, it's costing me X amount for this, X amount for that. We could probably get some rent, um, you know, a, a nice location and rent it for the amount that we're spending each month. So that's what I did. I went on a hunt and found a storefront that was mostly built out, um, actually had a lot of infrastructure that I ended up leveraging. And was about maybe a mile to a mile and a half away from where we used to park the truck every day in the middle of Hollywood. And so I knew that that was also a good advantage for us because we could leverage our existing customer base could come and visit our store. And so we had the truck running simultaneously. My business partner was kind of handling that. And then I was focusing on the truck, or sorry, the store build out and renovations and everything. And we had the truck kind of overlapping. We were running the truck while we opened the store, but eventually with the truck, the actual leasing company, they wanted to get out of the truck leasing business. And so they didn't renew our lease. I think they had uh, one of their trucks burned down the other one, one of the trucks they had. And I think it was just too expensive for them and they weren't making enough money off of that business model. So we got out of the truck business and just focused our attention on the store. And, you know, it was kind of off to the races from there and our business could just continue to grow. So, you know, there's obviously, and this is, like I said in the beginning, really an overview of all the details of what actually happened because it's basically, you know, I think I had that truck for a year and a half and we had started the business maybe six months or more prior to actually even getting our truck and having, you know, we, we did an event prior to that and we were just doing small things and kind of developing our concept. Um, so it was, it was a long journey and there were just a lot of mistakes that I made and a lot of money that it cost me and, and, you know, as they say, hindsight is twenty twenty. Looking back, I often say that things are as hard or as easy as you are intelligent. So I know now of how it could have been a lot easier because of my experience and because of the, the evolution that was needed in order for me to get to a place where 
I realize what makes these businesses work and work well in a profitable manner, in a seamless manner from a production standpoint and operation standpoint. But the learning curve was steep. You know, there, there were no Juice Bar Experts podcast. There was no Starter Juice Bar YouTube channel. There was nobody that really, you know, I think at that time, this was maybe 10 years ago, give or take. And um, we, I think we were really the first juice truck in the nation. So there was, you know, the, this was around when the food truck thing was getting popular, but there weren't any juice trucks that I'd ever seen. And so we were one of the kind of first concepts and people really loved that. They love the truck. It's super novel. They can be really beautiful. And so um, all in all, it was really a great experience, you know. Uh, and so if you're in a situation where you are thinking about launching a mobile juice or healthy food service concept and you want to do it in a way that's easy and saves you money. Like I said earlier on in the beginning of this podcast, I wanted to share something with you. I, I was thinking to myself, you know, back to when I was getting started, you know, what would I wish had existed for me to make my life a lot easier? And so myself and my team, we actually developed a product called the Juice Truck Business in a Box to really kind of minus actually selling you guys the truck, but to give you guys everything else that you would need to launch your business, right? This is a product that has different brand concept templates that are going to give you access to your truck wrap that you can just put on your truck, a menu that's already done, right? All of your administrative paperwork. So these are checklists, inventory lists, everything that you need to run your business, You've got a website, so you don't even have to develop a website, which is you know a big deal. People are looking for you. They want to find your location. We've already developed that for you. You've got a marketing strategy, professional product photography, 30 days of Instagram posts, right? And the list goes on and on and on. So for you guys that are a part of this community and you guys have been listening to our podcast, I want to give you guys a special discount. Um, we're not going to run this forever, but I want to give you guys a coupon code so that you guys can save some money on this product, right? If you use the coupon code JUICYTRUCK, you're going to save $750 on this product. Now, everything that is included in this product, if you guys were to even bring our company on to do it and, and put these services together for you, it would cost you probably around $20,000. But you're going to save tons of money because we were able to create a template and a turnkey operation that you guys can just kind of plug and play and utilize. So... Go to StarterJuiceBar.com if you're interested in learning more about the Juice Truck Business in a Box product. Just go to our shop tab and you can find out more there. If you guys have any questions specifically about it, you guys can email me at Andrew at StarterJuiceBar.com. But like I said, for me, I was always thinking, you know, what can we do to make people's lives easier? If they are going to get into the juice truck or mobile juice truck business, how can they do it in a way that's going to save them tons of time, tons of energy, tons of money, and just also make sure that they do it right? Because, you know, it's one thing to have a menu. It's another thing to have a menu that's been developed from people who have been in this industry for over 10 years and have developed thousands of recipes and hundreds of menus for clients all over the world, right? Like we really know what recipes get customers excited. We know what recipes are going to make it easy for your production and also make you money. So uh, I hope this has been helpful. Until next time, take care. This is Andrew McFarlane with StartAJuiceBar.com and the Juice Bar Experts podcast. We're here to create a world where there are more healthy food service businesses than unhealthy food service businesses so that we can collectively make the world a healthier place. All right, take care. 